Hello and welcome to the Pack Mag Parents Podcast, your place to laugh and learn. Everything we do is to make the lives of everyday parents easier. Without further ado, let's welcome our hostess with the mostess, Bree James. Well, hello and welcome back to the Pack Mag Parents Podcast. Now, we can all acknowledge that the last 18 months has been extremely difficult for so many people nationwide, worldwide, globally. Uh, we've seen escalating rates of depression and anxiety, which has seen a rise in people accessing uh, crisis lines and mental health services since the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic. And it's great to see people reaching out and seeking help and support for their mental well-being. Alarmingly, though, young people who are most at risk are less likely than other age groups to seek professional help, making it really clear how important and critical our role is in nurturing our children's mental health. So joining us today to talk about how we can do that is Dr. Dane here. He's an author, change maker, speaker, and co-creator of Access Consciousness, which is one of the world's largest personal development companies. Uh, please note during this podcast, we will be discussing suicide and want to issue this as a bit of a trigger warning, but let's get him on Zoom. Can't wait to have a chat to Dane. It's time to get to class. So can you tell me a little bit more about Access Consciousness and how it came to be? Because it sounds very intriguing. Oh, let me tell you, it is. Um, actually, it started a little over 30 years ago. My best friend and current business partner, his name is Gary Douglas, uh, had gotten to the point in his life where he had the money and he had the cars and he had the houses and he had the wife and he was like, is this all there is? If this is all there is, why am I here? And so he started an exploration of looking essentially for what else is possible. And that took him into all kinds of interesting places. Well, um, the information that originally created access started coming out within a few years of that search. And he realized that if you would function from the question rather than the conclusion, in other words, if you would go beyond judgment, other possibilities could open up. And he also recognized that the only time we create a difficulty in our life is when we function from an unawareness of what we know and what's actually true. And he started recognizing that as something called consciousness, which consciousness is basically our awareness. And so we have a definition of consciousness and access consciousness, which is where everything exists and nothing is judged. And so it started him on this search and he started discovering tools and ways of changing things simply by being in the question, really. Um, a question about what else is possible here? If this were not true, then what would be? And what would my choices be? So it, it became an exploration of choice and a sense of possibilities. And when I met him 20 years ago, uh, Access was in, I believe, three countries. And um, Access quite literally saved my life uh, when I was at a point where I wanted to end my life. And uh, it was so exciting to me to have that be able to change that I wanted to let people know that it was possible. And so I've been part of co-creating it for the last 20 years. And Currently, we're in 176 countries. We have almost 14,000 facilitators at different levels of the work. And there are millions of people who use this on a daily basis as part of their lives. And it's really a set of tools, techniques, and information and ways of changing things in the trenches of life 
And it's really created for the seekers of the world, the people that know there's something else possible, but haven't yet seen it show up. Yeah, because it's so true because we are like I was reading a book the other day where 99.9999% energy um, and only, you know, 0.011, uh, 0.01 or whatever it is um, matter. And I think that's where, you know, I think people don't realize we are such energetic beings and tapping into our consciousness and unconscious mind is really important. Truly. And what we also recognized in Access was that the energy with which you approach something and the the way in which you approach it changes the outcome. And so, you know, it's like if you if you think about one of those days where you wake up in the morning and you're on cloud nine, everything seems to flow and it's got a sense of ease to it. And you're like, wow, that was miraculous, you know. And then on one of those days where you wake up and you hit the snooze alarm 27 times and you just don't want to get out of bed, everything looks like crap. Well, what's the difference? It's the energy that you're being. And it's in, and to a certain extent, the energy that we're being determines also the space around us, whether there's space or a sense of contraction, you know, and, and whether it's happiness and lightness or yuck stuck and, and otherwise. And so there are ways of changing that. And the interesting part is, you know, there, there's so much scientific study at this point that the energy changes the molecules. And so it's, it's, you know, people say, why do you study consciousness? I'm like, well, number one, it saved my life. Number two, I'm happier than I've ever been before. And I keep getting more happy. And number three, the downs are a lot less down and the highs are a lot higher. And the general level of everything is at a, is at a higher tick, which is, which is just such a gift. So for me, it, it's, it's really about the quality of our lives because our point of view creates our reality. Reality doesn't create our point of view. And if we look at the world we're living in right now, people's points of view are, uh, there's a lot of stress going on. And, and so what happens is when your point of view is that this is wrong, this is a struggle, that's all you can see. And so part of this is also being able to change those points of view that we have that are affecting our energy, that are affecting our happiness, that are affecting our lightness, our joy, and our sense of ease navigating the world so that we have a different choice. Now, a big part of what you do as the co-creator of Access Consciousness is inviting people to tap into their own awareness. So tell me a little bit more about that. And I guess why it's so important that we should be teaching our children this, because obviously, you know, there's so much energetically happening happening with our children. Um, and there's a lot of negative mindsets. So can you share a little bit more about yeah. that? Well, it's, from my point of view, it's one of the single greatest things we can teach our kids and actually embrace ourselves. Because one of the things that I found in doing this work over the last 20 years and working with hundreds of thousands of people is that we know. And like, and one great way of accessing this for ourselves so we can really get this awareness is look back over your life where there was something that you chose that you knew not to choose. And it turned out just as badly as you knew it would, <laughs> you know, and, and yet you knew beforehand and you chose it anyway. And in looking at this, there's this recognition that we don't just know in the large areas of our lives, we know in large and small areas of our lives, and we can use that to actually navigate our lives. And so one of the questions I'll ask kids is, you know, they'll say, I've got this going on, blah, blah, blah. And I'll say, okay, so what do you know here? And they go, what do you mean? I'm like, what do you know? They're like, I don't know what I know. I've never been asked what I know. But I'm like, I know, exactly. 
And I'll say, what do you know? And they will always deliver an awareness. I'll say, okay, so this, this adult that was not kind to you, I'll say, what do you know about them? And they go, I don't know, they're mean. Uh, and I'll say, let me ask you a question. Do they like kids? And they go, no. And I said, were they liked as a kid? And they always go, oh, no. They're just treating me the way they were treated as a kid. And I'm like, yeah, exactly. And you can feel their universe open up because they think this thing is about them. They're making it personal as we all do. And yet what they actually know, if you ask them a question that accesses what they know goes beyond that. And that's what sets them free. And so that's just one small example of teaching our kids to navigate their lives from the awareness that they know things that they've never been taught. They know things that they can't think. And they also know what to choose because the fundamental aspect for any choice, if you're looking from, from trying to make choice easy and trying to, to see what you can use to um, get a sense of what to choose, is ask yourself, when I think about making this choice, do I feel lighter or heavier? And lighter might be more peaceful. It might be, you know, joy. It might be, you know, kind of makes you want to smile, get warm inside. And heavier is more sort of contracted or uh, like dense, kind of like, oh, you know, kind of like if you're going to visit somebody you don't really like, you're like, oh, heavy. Okay. And so kids know this inherently. This is the funny part is, I'll be, I'll have a class and it'll have say 10 kids and 200 adults. And the kids will come up and go, you know, those adults, they keep saying the same thing over and over and over and they never change. And you ask them what they know and they act like they don't know, but I knew what they didn't know. And I'm like, I know <laughs> exactly, <laughs> you know, and the beauty of kids is they haven't been as conditioned as we are to believe that things are a certain way. And so if you can let them know that they know, and they also, here's the weird part, here's, but here's also the, the freedom is that they know what to choose because they inherently have a sense of whether it'll make them lighter or heavier. And if you make more choices in your life that make you lighter, that's what your life gets created as. If you make more choices in your life that make you heavier, it's heavier. You know, it, it's not rocket science, it's consciousness. You know, it's this, it's this awareness that we all have. And that's the other part of this is consciousness is an awareness we all have. Most people think if their eyes are open, they're conscious, but it's not exactly that simple because from the time we were little kids, we were taught to have the right answer and do things the way people expected and to do the right thing and never the wrong thing. Not is this, what will this choice create? And that's another thing we need to teach our kids is not, you need to do this because it's right because a kid, has no idea why that's right or why that's wrong. And in order to even get there, we need to teach them to judge, which is one of the things we see in our kids right now, where they've grown up in such a dynamic world of judgment of self, and then the need to judge others, that that's their entire perspective. But in actuality, they have awareness that goes beyond judgment. And they have the capacity to use it if we'll invite them to it. Yeah, I really love that. It's it's so true. Um, uh, that judgment is such a hard thing. And I think a lot of times children think it's directed at them. Um, and I know that you have a tool um, that you use that can create a really big difference to the headspace of children, which is the who does it belong to? Can you talk a little bit more about that with me? Oh, yeah, I love this tool. It, it was too. part of what helped heal me. <laughs> it's yep. a good one. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> 
it was part of what helped heal me of depression and anxiety 20 years ago. And it's based on the idea that 98% of your thoughts, your feelings, your emotions, your points of view, and the weird yuck stuck energies that we get stuck in are actually things we're picking up. In other words, an awareness from people around us. And it's amazing. So all you have to do is for any thought, feeling, or emotion, or any stuck energy, any yuckiness, you just go, who does this belong to? And if it lightens up at all, it's your awareness that it's not yours. And all you do is return it to sender, whoever that is with consciousness attached. And 99% of the time, you're not going to be knowing who it is. Like, have you ever had that experience of you're driving down the road, you're having a great day, and all of a sudden you're like, oh my goodness, I'm so sad. You know, and you're like, wait a minute. Okay, so without this awareness, you go, I'm so sad. And then what do you do? You look back over your day. And if you can't find anything that made you sad today, you go back to yesterday and you go back far enough to find something that justifies the sadness that you've decided is yours. And now I'm sad. Now I don't even know how to get out of it because I'm just sad, man. You know, and, and here's what I found is if you'll ask, who does this belong to? And it lightens up at all. It's you picking up that energy of sad, which is why I'm so grateful we started with being an energetic being, because that awareness opens up a whole other universe of how to navigate life. Because if we navigate from that place of, I pick up on energies all the time, then we know what we're actually in for. We know we actually address what is going on, which then also then gives us the ability to change what's actually going on, not what we have decided or what we think it has to be. And so in this case, you know, I ask people all the time, I'm like, so um, just think I am sad. And now say to yourself, I am perceiving sadness. Huge difference. You know, in the first one, it's yours. In the second one, it's outside of you, which means now you're putting it where it actually is, which is what this, who does this belong to does. And, you know, I will, People are more willing to hear this now than when I started, but I would, you know, usually because some people are like, oh, it can't be the case that this many thoughts are not yours. And I'm like, I'm telling you, literally 98% of your thoughts, feelings, and emotions are not. And it's an amazing way to clear out the monkey mind. Because if you look at it, what if you could get rid of 98% of the thoughts, feelings, and emotions and judgments you had in the last week, you'd only have to deal with the 2% that actually belongs to you. And we're not manufacturers of these nearly as much as we think we are. And so, you know, one of the things I ask people is, if you've ever been in a relationship, do you know when your partner's upset before you even walk in the door? Or a lot of times you'll be out doing something not related to them at all. You're like, oh my goodness, I need to call my boyfriend. I need to call my girlfriend. Why? Because you're aware of that energy. And it's not just those close to us we're doing it with. We do it with everybody. And in the world we live in right now, we have 8 billion people at a higher level of stress than they have ever been before. Is it any surprise that so many of us feel like we've had so many down days? And if we do, if we ask this, who does this belong to? And we actually created a free app. It's called Access Consciousness, Who Does This Belong To? And very clever marketing there. Um, <laughs> we, <laughs> we created this app because one of the things that we found is if you will ask, who does this belong to, to every thought, feeling, and emotion you have for three days and get rid of the ones that are not yours, at the end of three days, you walk around like you're in a walking, talking meditation because you break the machine that makes you think that everything you perceive belongs to you and is personal. I'll tell you personally, it's like as we've uh, gone through 
the whole thing with the pandemic in the last couple of years. For me, it's like I have had much more ease with it. And the people that use this tool have had much more ease with it than most people have simply because we have access to this tool. It sounds fantastic. Definitely something I'm going to download because I think, um, you know, there's a lot of empathic children. I know I've got, I've got one and he takes on, you know, the energy of his teacher and takes offense to so much that's not actually his. And it's a really great thing to ask them, but, you know, and teach them, is this yours or is this, you know, someone else's energy that I'm picking up on and it's not actually anything to do with me at all. And um, I guess, you know, we're programmed from, our brains are so old. There's even stuff that, you know, intergenerational that has nothing to do with um, our feelings now. And it's so interesting to unpack some of those things and realize that some of this stuff isn't even mine. Yeah. And, and the weird part, if you actually do the exploration, the bizarre part from my perspective is how much of it is not yours. How very little is generated in our cute little head and how very much of it comes from outside. We're like big psychic radio receivers. And, you know, this is not one of those where it's like, oh, well, you're, you're just blaming them. No, if it's not yours, you can't do anything about it. You know, if somebody else's dog shows up on your doorstep, you can't do anything about it except return the dog to where it came from. That's where it needs to go. Well, this is their junkyard dogs that are, you know, living in your head right now. So it's not about, oh, I'm not going to take responsibility. You actually are taking responsibility for what's actually going on and giving yourself freedom in the process. Get rid of the junkyard dogs that aren't yours. I love it. Great analogy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> or the yapping chihuahuas, however you want to look at Whatever it. Whatever you want it to be. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Cute little sausage dogs. You might keep those ones though. Exactly. <laughs> um, now, looking back at your younger self, little Dane, what advice would you give to him now? Oh, how long do we have? Uh, <laughs> I've learned so much since I was that little guy. Um, number one, I would say, do not give up. The world you desire can actually be yours and be created. And there will eventually be, be people who can hear you and hear what you have to say that will acknowledge the difference you are and appreciate it. And no matter what abuse you're experiencing right now, Number one, it will not last forever. Number two, it will actually be a gift in helping other people. And number three, you are strong enough to withstand it. And I, you will never cave. Please know you will keep putting one foot in front of the other. And I will do everything I can to contribute to you and support you energetically. Wow. That's beautiful. Thank you. Now. You talk a lot about being a leader, not a follower. So what qualities do you think we need to teach our children so that we've got more, more leaders in the world? Well, first is that your difference is your gift. And also, what if everything you have been told is a wrongness of you or think is a wrongness of you is actually a strongness of you? And from my point of view, a true leader is not somebody who has followers, nor are they someone who requires followers. There's someone who knows something different than the masses and is willing to follow that awareness and head in the direction of that difference, even if nobody else seems to get it at the time. And if we would look at the world, the world always has been changed by the greater, by people who were such leaders. And initially they were vilified, initially they were outcasts, sometimes they were killed for their beliefs, 
But eventually the world came around and went, wow, you know what? They were right. Huh, guess what? The sun does not evolve, revolve around the earth. Oh my goodness, you know, it's like, and so, um, but I, I also want to acknowledge another thing in that. And that is that even though it seems in our world right now uh, with social media and such, and so many things we could point to that, that the idea is to fit in and be more normal and fit in and basically fit in with other people's judgments so that you can be judged right and not wrong. In actuality, we are collectively creating a world that will hear your voice and value your difference. And I see that and you know, you, you get what you focus on, of course, um, but I see that rather dynamically occurring and it is occurring faster than anyone is acknowledging that the gift of difference is actually starting to become a valuable product in the world. So, um, you know, it, it, we've done, we've done normal and lowest common denominator for so long at this point that the people that are really frustrated with that, bored by that, have had enough of that are starting to look for what else, what else is possible. And so as a leader, keep asking what else is possible? What do I know that no one else does? And what can I be in the world? And what can I bring to the world that no one else can and follow that? and be that because it is sometimes difficult I think for those children that don't fit in um, you know that might shine a different way to other children um, I know you know I definitely didn't fit in as a kid I was always a bit of an yeah. outcast um, but you know as an adult now I'm glad that I didn't I wasn't um, that I was rejected I guess from from that sort of um, that sort of tribe and have created my own, I guess, uh, might only be one person in my tribe, but that's okay. No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> um, but, you know, I of think all of us, what are you talking about? You got <laughs> lots of us. We like uh, you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Cause kids can be tough at school. They can be quite mean. Um, you know, there's a lot of bullying and, you know, I guess that whole, you know, trying to find your tribe is quite a, a difficult thing for, I guess, children, but also adults, you know, as we grow and evolve, I think, you know, even for adults, it's probably even tougher. Kids are a lot more resilient, I think, and a lot more open to making new friendships. And um, whereas adults, you know, we've, we've got that, oh, I don't know whether I'm, I can energetically invest that time anymore. I haven't got much energy to go around that I want to spare. <laughs> um, so, What's one thing that you would say to someone that's going through um, a, a time where they don't feel like they fit in, I guess, and that they're, you know, they're not, I mean, I love that you touched on it in, your, in the last question there that, you know, some leaders are sort of the solo leader and they've got their way and that's what makes them unique and special. What advice would you give to people listening right now that are feeling a little bit alone? Well, I, that is exactly the advice. The awareness is that you are not alone. And in access consciousness, we have hundreds of thousands of people literally who are not only like the square pegs in the round holes, we're like the multi-angled rainbow colored dodecahedron <laughs> that doesn't fit into a round hole or a square hole or any of those things, you know? Please don't go in a hole so, at all. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> There's no hole that will fit you. you yes, know? we just float above the hole and look at the hole. <laughs> That's right. True story. Well, and that, that really is it, actually. When you function from a, a let's call it a three-dimensional reality, let's say. The reality that most people are functioning from is very two-dimensional. It's right and wrong, good and bad. 
And anybody that doesn't fit on that plane of reality, that plane of paper, if you will, is seen as an outcast because they have another dimension to themselves. You know, they have this dimension of space and realize that most people are living quite literally in their, their creation of their reality, like two-dimensional creatures. So here comes a sphere, you know, a three-dimensional creature that's like, hey, I don't fit on the paper. What is going on? And they're like, no, you must fit on the paper. You can't be part of Flatland. And you're like, but wait a minute. I'm not flat. They're like, oh, everybody in Flatland is flat. And so if you want to play in Flatland, you must be flat. If you want to live here, you must be flat. If you want us to like you and not try to kill you, you must be flat. You're like, but I'm a sphere. So the way it works is if you'll, if you'll recognize that. So here you are as this sphere. Let's say you're a sphere and you go to interact with Flatland. What happens is as soon as you touch into Flatland, they would see a point. And then as you continued on through Flatland, they would see a circle that would become a bigger circle until you got to the midpoint. And then it would become a smaller circle and it would get to a point as you pass through. And depending on who was looking at you when, they would see you as a point or a circle of this size or a circle of this size or a circle of a different size and then a point and you would be gone. And they'd be like, wow, what was that? Well, it was a point, I saw a circle. And what you realize in that is when you're interacting with people whose lives are about judgment of right and wrong, they're two-dimensional creatures, and they will judge you based on your interaction with them at that moment of their judgment. And people who judge always judge. One of the things that we weirdos and outcasts have tried to do our entire lives is bend, fold, staple, mutilate, and origami ourselves into the right thing so we would not be judged and have you ever had this experience of being around people who are judging you? So you stop doing what they were judging you for thinking, yay, I won't be judged. And then they just start judging you for something else. You know? Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's <laughs> insane. But that's the way this world works is because when you function from judgment, you are functioning as a two-dimensional creature, not a three-dimensional or multi-dimensional, if you'd rather, you like that better. And so you recognize then that, that, trying to fit into a world that is not yours does not work. The only thing you can do is be the sphere that you are, be the creature that you are, and also recognize that people who judge, judge. Why? Because they judge. Okay, why? Because they judge. And no matter what you do to try to, oh, uh, to, try to uh, not be the effect of their judgments, or no matter what you, well, you cannot, <laughs> boy, it's tough for me to talk English right now. Um, <laughs> The only choice you really have is to choose in your own world, okay, they're judging, I'm going to find a way to not be the effect of their judgments. It's one of the things we do in access consciousness all the time, get people over the effect of judgment. That's one. But the other thing to recognize is no matter how much you change you, a judgmental person will still find something to judge you for. So changing you to try to make them stop judging, even if it's a group of people, you know, like kids at school, for example, never works. What you've got to do is get in touch with you and have a space in your world where you are okay being you as weird as you are. Recognize that the original meaning of weird was of spirit, fate, or destiny, and be willing to be as weird as you are and love you anyway. And you will find people who get it. You will find people who don't require you to be different, but you've also got to give up the value of being liked by judgmental people because their like, their love of you is always fickle anyway, because if somebody else comes along and 
and judges you for something that they align and agree with, well, now you're not their friend anymore. Far greater to hang out with people who don't judge you, people who like you exactly as you are right now. And even and it and the thing about that also is it doesn't have that intense gut twisting charge to it. So we often think that it doesn't have value. Like, oh, well, that's just my friend. That They're just my friend that's over there and they're always there for me and whatever. Well, that's boring. Well, in actuality, that's nurturing. In actuality, that's, that's, that's something that nurtures your body and soul. And those are the people you want to find to hang out with and realize those are the people that have the value. And those are the people that are going to be a lot more like you and a lot more like you are with others. And any judgment you're doing, most of you thinking you're judgmental, because this is another thing that we adults and kids deal with is a lot of us think we're judgmental, but in actuality, the only person we ever really judge is us for being judgmental. So let me tell you something about somebody who's truly judgmental. They never judge themselves. They never go, oh my God, I'm so judgmental. Oh my goodness. I can't believe I made fun of that person that way. They never do that. They just know they're right in their judgments and you are wrong. And so what it really boils down to is the seekers of the world, the, the sensitive individuals of the world are almost like another species, a species that doesn't understand judgment, a species that is actually caring of others, desires more for others, <clears throat> and always feels like they're somehow on the outside or somehow wrong because they don't get how it's done here. So then they try to fit in, but when they try to fit in, they're losing what makes them them. They're losing the gift of this space of being that they are beyond the need or willingness to judge. I had a great saying once that, you know, every time you point the finger out, there's three pointing back at you. And I think that's always yep. a good, good, dumb thing to think about because the world is a mirror. So I think when we are judging others, you know, it is a mirror of something that we either see in ourselves as well. Yeah, true story. And that's, that's the interesting part also is people will judge what they see in themselves, what they see in themselves, they will judge in another to try to separate from that in themselves. So there you go. It's, we're getting very deep, very deep, very deep. <laughs> <laughs> now, it is World, uh, World Suicide Prevention Day on the 10th of September. Now, I know you're very passionate about sharing a message of hope for those struggling with life's ups and downs. And I know in Australia, like we're having uh, massive problems uh, with this topic. Um, but why has it become your life's mission? Well, I was at that place where I was going to end my life 20 years ago. In fact, I had planned a date to end my life. I had been unhappy for the better part of three years. And yet when I was a kid, when they would say, what do you want to be when you grow up? I would go happy. And they go, okay, okay. You don't understand the question. Do you want to be a doctor? Do you want to be an actor? Do you want to be a lawyer? Do you want to be a garbage man? I'm mean, like, sure. As long as I'm happy, that's all I wanted. And here I was, I had not been happy for the better part of three years. And I had all the things everybody says should make you happy. And, you know, I'm on the right track and all that. And I was like, I am not on the right track. I'm out of here. And I, I, I am a seeker. And so I would do weekend workshops. I was reading books and yet I had no sustained sense of happiness. And I would go to weekend workshops, feel like I found the answer. And by Wednesday of the following week, my lightness, my happiness had gone. And it was one of those days after a weekend workshop on a Wednesday, literally, where I said, okay, universe, when it felt like the universe caved into my head again, I said, universe, you got six months, my life changes, or I'm out of here. And um, I thought I was going to get to leave the planet because I thought I had done everything that was out there that might change things. And I ended up happening upon, happening upon a little ad. 
I had a session of something called access consciousness bars. It's this light touch technique where somebody holds 32 points on your head. It lasted for about an hour and 15 minutes. And at a certain point during that session, I just started giggling like a little kid and I couldn't stop myself. And I was like, <laughs> oh, goodness. And I didn't even know this girl that was doing this session. And um, I got up after an hour and 15 minutes after having gone into the session depressed and suicidal. And I had this gratitude for being alive and this sense of, wow, if it's like this to be alive, I'm in. And so having had that change, and I cannot tell you how, how transformative that was, but also what an amazing gift to realize that something that I had been experiencing and suffering with for so long could truly be changed in a short amount of time. And then I started doing this once a week. And I started getting every time I, I would get my bars run and I would get a tool to use for the following week when the universe wanted to cave in on my head and I would feel that contraction and I would use the tool and then I would get that space again. And it just kept expanding and expanding. So for me, I want to do this because I want to, I want people to know this is possible. And I'm not saying that happens for everybody who gets their bars run, but we have a universe of tools. We've got over 8,000 tools and we've got so many acknowledgements of someone's being and so many invitations to know that things can be different. That's why I do this in the world, because I want to pay forward the gift that I got 20 plus years ago. And also, I want people to know that it's actually possible. Because when I started, it wasn't anywhere. Like I said, when I started, we were in, I think, three countries, and I couldn't find information about this anywhere. And I and my target, once I started working with uh, access was, I want the world to know that this exists. So at least they have the choice. I don't care whether they choose it or not, that should always be up to them. But I want them to know it exists. So the choice is there to have the life they actually desire. And if this is part of getting there, that's great. But for me, I know something different is possible for all of these people that are struggling. I know the tools that would help all of these people that are struggling. And let's say even if half of them chose something different, their world would be different and our world would be a far lighter place. That's what I desire. Yeah, it's really beautiful. And like we said at the beginning, like we're all energetic beings. And I think um, energetically, there's so many modalities that can help with people's energy um, that we need to be teaching our kids and bringing into our everyday lives. I absolutely agree. And that's my other point of view. I don't care if you do access. I don't care what you do, access or something else, but do something that connects you again with the lightness that you may hopefully remember as a kid. And if you don't remember it from there, well, then it's time to start creating it because you deserve it. And it's possible. I cannot tell you the number of people that, I mean, literally hundreds of thousands of people, thousands upon thousands of which are actually happy. Where do you see that in the world? I mean, I, before access, I was looking all over the world for the happy people and I had very little success finding them. And, and it really, I realized boils down to having the choice to know that's possible. So the inspiration to know it's possible by seeing people choose it, but then also having the tools that work in the trenches of life, because we're not going to live our life while reading a book. We're not going to live our life in a classroom or on a retreat or something like that. We have to have tools in the trenches of life to change shit now, because let's face it, there's a lot of crap out there that needs to be changed. And we, by changing our point of view of how we interact with it can be different with all of it. Yeah, it's so true. Um, 
yeah, it's actually scary, I think, um, how many people don't look after themselves anymore in an energetic point of view. And it can be simple, right. as simple as a meditation or um, just sitting and just being or because there's so many things, different modalities, you know, between tapping and EFT and <laughs> like there's where there's a plethora of different things that we can do. But um, why why the bars therapy? Tell me more about what what those 32 points do and why it works and has so much, so much impact on people's energy. Well, it, what we found is it dissipates the electromagnetic component of thoughts, feelings, emotions, and that stuckness that a lot of people experience because science tells us that those things are basically a positive and negative locked together. And anytime we take a fixed point of view, we lock that in place. And that's another thing um, you know, science has talked about is that our point of view when we take a thought, a feeling, an emotion, we ellipticize the cellular structure that is the beginning of the creation of disease. And so our points of view literally affect our physical body. We know this by now, you know, this is, <laughs> this is not new, right? But in the studies that we've done on bars, because for us, we didn't really care about studying it. We just knew it worked. So who cares? Um, but in the studies that we have done, we found that it actually changes brain waves. And there are scientists, neuroscientists who have studied and, uh, you know, so they've got all kinds of um, different awareness about what different brainwave activation will create. And, you know, and it goes beyond alpha, beta, theta, delta um, to specific frequencies or frequency bands. And what they found is that bars simultaneously activate the frequency bands that give you a sense of connection with the universe and oneness and gratitude while simultaneously activating your creative frequencies. And so it changes your brain waves to actually be more like the being you are when you have peace and when you have creativity. And in other studies we've done, we found it diminishes anxiety, stress, and depression, an average of 87% with one session. So this is like nothing else out there. This is, and it's like nothing else I had ever done. And come to find out, we, um, the first neuroscientist that worked with us, he had been studying people who meditate for 20 years. We happened to be presenting at a conference that he was presenting at. And he was doing brainwave studies there on different people just for different things. And, um, Somebody said, hey, you should study this bar stuff. He's like, I am too busy. And they said, come on, it'll only take an hour. Just hook up your equipment to this person's head while they're getting bars. And so this is a practitioner. This wasn't me or Gary, the founder. This was somebody who had learned to run bars in a bars class and um, running them on a person who'd never had them before. So he's like, okay, I'll, I'll crunch the numbers. And, and he ended up going out to dinner that night. And he woke up at five o'clock the next morning to crunch the numbers so he could present them, whatever they might be. Um, in front of this conference. And at 5.15, as he's watching the readout on his computer as the stuff downloads, he calls his entire team and says, you need to get over here now. And they're like, what? what's going on? Did somebody die? It's like, no, I've never seen this before. This hour bar session created the same neurological shift in somebody as if they'd been meditating for 15 years. He said, I've only seen these brainwave patterns for people who've been meditating for 15 years. And, uh, and his whole team was like, what? In fact, one of his team actually um, is an access facilitator now because she saw it and went, I want to do that, <laughs> you know? So 
And I say that not from a not from arrogance, I say that from total humility, from total gratitude that there is something in this world that can have such a dynamic effect and a dynamic impact. And that's why I do what I do, because it works so dynamically. And here it is in our world. Let's use it. Sounds amazing because I've actually been studying um, quite a few energetic things at the moment. And one of them's um, touch for health kinesiology. And there's a 14 point meridian sort of um, thing that you do and a balance, I guess it's called. Um, but 32 points, I can only imagine how imp impressive <laughs> and how amazing that is. It is it is truly wonderful. And the points have have names like money, joy and sadness, body, creativity, um, form and structure, hopes and dreams kindness, gratitude, peace, and calm. And what we notice is you put your hands on these points really lightly, and it dissipates all the stuck stuff around whatever that topic is. And we've also found, you know, I used to love touch for health, especially when I was in chiropractic school, you know, because it was like, easy to access kinesiology that made total sense. And um, I still love it, actually. And, um, and the what we found with the bars points is there are you know there's lots of modalities in the world whether it's acupuncture or acupressure and different other things that have been developed that that um have points on the head and some of those correspond to some of the bars points but most of them are actually unique to bars so they do something that nothing else does in a in apparently a way that not many things do yeah it sounds incredible so sound Mums and dads, everyone listening right now, something definitely to go and check out more. We'll put that in the show notes. Now back on to, um, I guess, our youth and how we were talking about the state of the mental health, because uh, there is some really alarming statistics coming out. Uh, and one of them, most of all, is that they're less likely to reach out for professional help. Um, and it's the leading cause of death in Australia of our young people, which is really scary. So what can we do to help them, um, you know, overcome that barrier so that they do reach out for help? Um, and what are the conversations that we need to be having with them? And how can we ask, are they okay, you know, and, and help them? Yeah, well, we need we need to. This is not a top-down surface approach that we can have. We need to start being different with our children. And what do I mean by that? We need to number one stop judging them, and stop trying to fit them into a box that is not theirs, and instead start seeing them as a gift as they are. That doesn't mean you let them get away with everything. This is not permissive parenting. Okay you know when to draw the line, but look at how many of our kids feel judged by their parents. So the thing that they're suffering from is, is number one, this thing of who does this belong to? And if we can in any way present that tool to them or the concept in whatever way you do or can, very helpful. Number two, if we could actually have them get their bars run, that would be also extremely helpful. And it would just take away a lot of the stress that they think is theirs and that they're dealing with. But number three is we look for how do we be with our children? We need to recognize that they can sense when we judge them. And most of us learn to parent like our parents did. And the funniest part to me is all the stuff we hated that our parents did, we start doing with our own kids. Okay, what? Okay, but that's, you know, that's the system we live in, right? That's the structure we live in. So one of the things you might want to do is write down the top 
I don't know, top eight or 10 things that your parents did that you hated and see if you're doing it with your kids. And if you are, make the demand of you today, stop. And when you notice your mother coming out of your mouth at your own child, stop and say to them, hey, you know what? I'm sorry. I learned this from my mom and I didn't like it either. I can totally understand where you're going in your head right now. Okay, so let's back up, erase, 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 okay? Um, I'm gonna be here as me, you be here as you. Can we do something different, please? And what children have a bullshit meter that is so highly tuned and they know when you're being authentic and they know when you're just kind of spouting like a talking head and they will always resist the talking head. But more so than that, they don't feel like they can talk to a talking head. So if you have your thing with them, your, your, I judge them for this because they always do this. And we need to get over the point of view that they always do this because part of the reason they do it is because they're in the pattern with you where they always do it. So this is not to blame you. And it's also not to blame them. It's about let's get out of blame. Let's actually be people with our kids and let us look at our kids and go, how would I have liked to be treated at this age? And what would I have needed to hear that I didn't hear? And how can I be different with my children and start talking to them? And this may take a while because especially if you've got a teen or a preteen, because let's face it, people become teenagers like 10 and a half now. What is that? What is in our water that makes that happen? I don't know. Anyway, um, you know, and so, uh, so you got to realize that, that this may take a while because if, especially if you have somebody that's a teenager or a preteen, there's already these walls that have been built up with a lot of them. Now, some of them know, but a lot of them, yes, because they're trying to find their way in the world. They're trying to, basically the way it works is this, when kids are little, energetically, we go back to being an energetic being again, they basically learn everything about how to be from their parents. So here they go and they're sort of being like their parents. And that is what annoys some parents also, by the way, either when they're <laughs> like you or not like you, you know, and you see your, you see them doing exactly what you do. And that's most when you want to get frustrated and angry with them, right? Well, why? Because once again, we only judge what we've been or done. And otherwise, we wouldn't have a charge on it, which is part of how this whole scenario works. So parents will get frustrated when they're like them or when they're not like them in the way that they think they should be. But what we need to do is just press reset and go, okay. So you might also write down what are the top 10 things that frustrate me about my child? How many of those do I see in myself? And is there any way to change this? And if not, how can I get into allowance of this? Because the other part, there's, so, I mean, we could go on for way longer than I know we have, but the other part of this situation is parents actually will be most harsh on their kids when they're in judgment of themselves for their own side of the behavior or for believing they created it in their child but they don't do that cognitively. They don't go, oh, I hate it when you do that because it's my fault you're doing that. You know, I hate it when you do that because that was so like me as a kid or whatever it is. They don't acknowledge that cognitively. They have this knee-jerk stress reaction that makes them want to go into fight or flight and then they're stuck. And so what we need to do is we need to grow up. We need to actually be the adult in the relationship, but not the adult that most adults were with us when we were growing up. Not the, I am this and you should do it because I said, because kids nowadays, there's way too much empowerment and awareness out there in the world for kids to put up with that bullshit. Okay, sorry. And um, uh, people are probably going to hate me for this. But anyway. It's um, true though. It is very true. 
they um they are very empowered i think and know what they should tolerate and what they shouldn't yeah truly and at the same time they're also they're also overtly overtly on the side of wow you know what you made your bed you know and they're like and they think oh i made my bed i should get a billion dollars you know so there's that too <laughs> you know we need to we need to we need to get to a sense of of actually being real as beings and get beneath the surface of these things that are going on and if if we can notice when we are the ones being activated and we have a lot of tools and access to do that a, a ton that when you're in the middle of getting activated you can lower your walls and barriers you can go interesting point of view i have this point of view interesting point of view i have this point of view interesting point of view i have this point of view to the energy that's there and it usually shifts and change changes and usually between three and ten times of saying that you're like okay i'm here i can breathe i can actually be present with the situation but we've got to be willing to do the work to do that to be present as us with our kids and invite them to do the same the other thing we need to be willing to do is to have conversations with them hey how was your day Oh, where are you going? What are you doing? And that, like I said, if you have a teen or preteen, that may uh, take a bit of time to cultivate. But once they realize you're actually interested in them and not judging them, there's going to be a moment where they actually start seeing you more as a friend and less as the authority figure they have to resist and react to. Because from the time they were little, they were, they energetically were becoming you. And then what happens is in an effort to have themselves as they get to that teenage preteen, they then fight against everything that you are so they can have themselves on their own terms. Unfortunately, it doesn't work the way they think it's going to, but that's, that's sort of what creates a teenager as a teenager. And so what they will be very sensitive to is any judgment we have of them because it will also compound every judgment they have of themselves. And so if we can allow ourselves to have that awareness and get to the place where we stop judging them for what they're choosing and instead start asking them questions, but not from judgment. And when you notice yourself going into that parent mode, like your mom and dad did stop and go, okay, how would I be if I were empowering my child here? How would I be if I were the parent that I didn't get? How would I be if I were a really awesome best friend that was also willing to call them on their crap? and show them how to navigate the world. Because a parent's job from my point of view is to show kids, empower them to know that they know, empower them to know that they're greater than they think they are, never ever judge them to the best of your ability and show them how to navigate the world more successfully than you did. And if we can have those four things as our, our sort of go-to, four or five things, whatever those were, then we have a different space in which to function. And it's truly, it, and, and, you know, there are conversations about how do we create a different future? How do we empower our young people with different choices? This is how. And if we had enough people doing that, we would see that change in the future and the change in the now, because people get to the point where they are contemplating suicide when they feel alone, when they feel like there's no hope, sometimes when they want to make other people wrong, but dynamically when they feel like nobody else gets them. And that is one of the only choices they can have that is uniquely theirs. And it's also a way of saying F you to everybody who doesn't get them. 
if we recognize that, then let's handle those things by how we are with our kids. It's not gonna, it's not to say it's gonna be easy necessarily, but it will make you like you a lot more and make you like you a lot more as a parent. It's not to say it's definitely going to work, but the people that have done it, I have seen it transform their sense of self as a parent. And I've seen it transform their child walking through the world because they realize there's at least one person that gets them and there's at least one person that has their back, which is their parent, which is a totally different way of being. And so I present all of this. I, you know, this is one of the things I have not yet done a specific course on because pretty much everything else I have. And apparently maybe now's the time to, to do this and have this conversation so that the parents can get the tools that they need. Because up to this point, I've had the conversations, but okay. Apparently something new is being birthed. So thank you, Brie. No, I think, um, yes, something I've been thinking about too. So we're going to talk more. I can just feel it. Okay, we'll talk. It. <laughs> now, last question for this podcast. One in six Australians are currently experiencing depression or anxiety or both. Have you got a, a message to them? Because you've given us so much incredible um, tools and help today. I, but, you know, I'd like to end on this one. What is your message to anyone feeling... Uh, not themselves and are in a, in the place that they wouldn't, don't want to, re, they don't want to be anymore mentally. Well, first message is you truly are not alone. It is we multi-sided creatures that do not fit into the round square hole. And there are a lot of us out there that at one point have felt that way. So please know you are not alone. You are not wrong. And there are not only tools, but there's a friggin' group of weirdos out there that is got your back, baby. And please, like, explore any of my stuff online. I've got hundreds, literally hundreds of videos online that are my gift um, and, and so many other things. Please go. And, and the other thing I want to say that most people don't tend to talk about is, is what you're looking to do is shift the energy of your situation, meaning shift from that, I can't, because when you have the point of view, you can't, that's all you can see is that you can't. So anything that will create some lightness and head you in that direction, what's true is always light. Okay. What's true for you always makes you feel lighter when you think about it or when you do it. A lie for you, what's something that's not going to work, something that's not really yours, something that's not really true for you will make you heavier when you think about it or think about going to do it. So please, to the best of your ability, explore what makes you lighter, then maybe it is only you that gets lighter and know that that is right for you, that is true and that is not wrong, as long as it's not infringing upon somebody else's freedom or possibility, okay? Yep. And so the, please seek out the resources, the things that when you watch or listen to them make you lighter. And if you are doing something and it starts to make you heavy, um, change the web page, turn the channel, turn it off, go find something in that moment that makes you light because it exists. I wrote a book called Being You Changing the World, the audio of it. It's a 55 minute audio with the intro and first chapter. Go listen to that, please. Because I wrote it for people like you, because I was the people like you. I am the people like you. It's just, I was in that place of struggle 20 plus years ago. I wrote it for us dreamers and us seekers 
to let us know that we are not alone. We are actually a gift. And when you start to embrace that, things can change dynamically and more quickly than you ever thought possible. I love it. Thank you, drdanehere.com or uh, accessconsciousness.com. Check out those books, check out everything. We're going to stick it all in the show notes. So thank you so much for sharing so much with us today. Um, Really appreciate everything so much. Mind blown. Thank you. (laughs) Awesome. It has truly been a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's show. If you want to be an expert guest or you've got a weird, wacky or wonderful product to share, don't be shy. Get in contact with our team at info at pacmag.com.au. This podcast is proudly produced by PacMag. You can listen to more episodes on our website, pacmag.com.au.